We've had the pleasure this weekend of um, hanging out with, with Scott here. Scott, known Scott for a few years now. And um, Scott is a singer-songwriter from, from Melbourne. And, uh, and most importantly, he's also a brother in Christ. And um, he loves Jesus. And uh, he, he's uh, here um, talking a little bit about, you know, world vision. And, and um, he's an ab, um, artist advocate for world vision. He's also, um, you may have heard if you listen to the radio a little bit, he's had a, a song in the charts at the moment um, called Rain. And uh, it was number, I got corrected the other day, it was number one on the rock charts. Okay. And um, so that, that, that's been a pretty good success, Scott. But the most important thing about that is that Scott's been doing that for the farmers. And every pro, all the proceeds that have come in from that have gone to buy a bale. And um, so all proceeds have been going to the farmers who have got a bit of trouble. So, Scott, thanks for coming, mate. And uh, you, it's over to you. Hey, you all doing all right? Yeah. 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 Oh, there we go. Boom. Hey, um, I was going to come in this morning and, and talk a little bit about World Vision, which I'm going to do. But um, to be honest with you, I just, I, I really um, just want to just share a little bit about who I am and what God's done in my life, I think, more importantly. Um, a lot of you guys probably have got no idea who I am, which is, which is good. Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I sing and play guitar for a living, so my job, I write songs and make records and do a lot of touring. Um, I just got back from a month of touring Europe. I spent a lot of time touring around Asia and America as well, and as, as Australia. Um, I've been really blessed the last two years. I've got a, a record out, a CD. You all remember what a CD is. <laughs> got a CD out of the... At the moment, and um, I've had two songs off of that record get played a lot on commercial secular radio all over Australia, which has been really great. Um, we have one song that got played all over the UK and South Africa and New Zealand as well. Um, and, and at the moment, the album that's out has been added to a bunch of radio stations all over the USA on college radio, which is a big thing over there. And so God has really just really blessed what I do. Um, but the truth of it is that it all came about because I came to know Jesus Christ. Now, I'd grown up in a, um, in a Christian home. My father, my parents were Salvation Army officers. And so I grew up overseas as a missionary's kid for like seven, seven years. All of my, my childhood, I lived in Hong Kong doing primary school because my father ran refugee camps. And growing up, I can honestly tell you, my dad was my absolute hero. He was, oh man, he was a guy. He, he did so many things that changed people's lives. Like when you go to Kmart, you throw a Christmas present under the tree for, for people who are struggling. That was my dad's idea 35 years ago, still goes on to this day. He made a movie in the 1980s about human trafficking before anyone even knew what it was. And he was involved in helping over 100,000 people get identity cards in Hong Kong, which meant that they could have a proper life and their children and their children. He did amazing stuff. And in his 40s, he had a breakdown and he went from being this... He, he'd started a PhD in social work. He was incredibly intelligent. And he had a breakdown and he went from being this amazing, heroic man to an alcoholic who died at the age of 57 of alcoholism. And when, when it all kind of went down, all the people that I'd grown up going to church with, except for this fool in the front row here, who's been my best mate for 30 years, um, Ross, good man. But pretty much every other friend I had never wanted to know us. We, we, we were just, you know, kind of outcasts. And I remember at 17, I'm, I'm in uni, I'm studying to be a high school teacher, and uh, I had this moment where I went, you know what, if this is what Christianity and Jesus is like, you can stick it, I'm not interested. Because, you know, they, they talk about it, but they don't actually do it. The one saving grace I had was that I could play football reasonably. And I played VFL footy, which is similar to Waffle over here. And, um, and, I, and I got in with a clique of blokes at uni who played footy with me. And um, 
Before I knew it, I had as many problems as my old man two or three years later. I got to a point when I was about 21 where I had a, I had a bit of a fight with the coach at footy training one night with, a, with disagreement that ended badly. And um, one of the things about me you may not realise if you've never met me before is that I'm Aboriginal. My mum's family's Aboriginal. And so I'm really passionate about that. Some people would be surprised by that. I had a kid in Perth a while back. He asked me if I was an albino Aboriginal. <laughs> it's all right if you think in that. One of the things about being Aboriginal that's really unique is that if you've got a parent or a grandparent who's not Aboriginal, often you look like that side of the family. So my mum's Aboriginal, but my dad's not. So even though I look like I'm out of an Ikea catalogue from Sweden, I'm an Aboriginal person with dark skin friends, family, cousins. Actually, a few West Australians, one of my cousins, one of my closest cousins is a guy called David Warapunda. So if you're an Eagles fan, you'd know David. Um, yeah, so I'm passionate about that. And um, I had this fight with a coach and all of a sudden, I had nowhere to play footy. I'd been at Coburg, the team I'd been playing for for a number of years. And I ended up going up to Shepparton, which is where our hometown is, two hours north of Melbourne, playing for an Aboriginal club in Shepparton called Rumbalara. And before the first game, there was two dudes in the team who were Christians, Dixie and Dallas. And, and essentially, the really short version of this story was that I was, a, I was a mess. I was at a really low point in my life and I was really battling. And these two lads who I played footy with, they changed my life because what they did was they loved me. Now, as Christians, I reckon what I've learned as I've gotten older is that we often get confused because we reckon that when we take care of people and we care for people that we've loved them. But I reckon there's a difference between loving someone and caring for someone, if that makes sense. So a lot of Christians are out there caring for people, but they're not going that extra step to love people. So these two lads have played footy with Dallas and Dixie. They actually loved me at a time when I really, really needed it. And I, after about four or five weeks, I had this epiphany, this light bulb moment where I went, you know what? I really like feeling loved. This is pretty good. I like it. All right, I'll give it a crack. And I remember saying to Dallas, who was a local chaplain, and honestly, this fellow, he just changed my life, Dallas Turlich. He's a beautiful human. I said, I like feeling loved, but I'm scared of Christians, but I'll give it a go. I said, how do I do this properly? And Dallas, I'll never forget, he looked at me, he goes, well, it's really simple, mate. It's like when you make a new friend. He goes, every day for five minutes a day, spend five minutes talking to Jesus. Just how you'd talk to your mates. Jesus, today was really good. Today was terrible. You know, whatever. Just, just talk. He goes, for the second five minutes, you've got to sit and listen because any conversation involves listening. And he goes, you've got to listen through your spirit. There's a difference between listening through your head. See, your brain, and this is a bit complex. I've only started to understand this recently, but your brain is only a computer that was designed to translate for your spirit. And we live in a world where everybody's let this become the boss of this, but it should be the other way around. You've got to listen through your spirit, he says. And then he says, the third five minutes, read the Bible, and you'll have different sentences and verses you read, and all of a sudden it just makes sense. And you go, oh, that applies to me in this way or that way. He goes, write everything down for your 15 minutes today. Write it all down because as a human being, you'll forget. And then he said, after 28 days, if there's no difference in your life, then at least you can say you've had a really good crack and you've put God to the test and you've had a genuine attempt and he goes if your life is better then awesome it's cost you nothing so I started 28 days of it best thing I ever did now I'd love to tell you that my life changed overnight and I became you know I never wanted to go to the pub again or do anything stupid again I had to go and get this thing called therapy <laughs> get a little bit of help with some of that stuff but it was a real turning point for me and I went from being really kind of just struggling and lost to having some purpose and all of a sudden, I found I was teaching high school kids how to play the trumpet. I was, a, I was a brass and woodwind high school teacher at this point in time. I was a trumpet player from the age of five, being a salvo brat. And I went from loving brass instruments to hating them overnight. And all of a sudden, I found myself sitting at school in my spare periods with a guitar in my hand. At the age of 21, I'm sitting there and I'm writing songs. I never had the thought that I wanted to be a songwriter. It just kind of happened. I'm literally sitting in school and a song's fallen out of me. 
I met this dude who's he's a, he's a Christian songwriter and he encouraged me and helped me make an album. And then I thought, geez, I've got an album. I should probably should go and do some, do some gigs. We did that. And, and all of a sudden, it just kind of unfolds. And I got really passionate about just Jesus because it changed my life so significantly. Jesus changed my life so significantly. And, and have you ever had a moment, ladies, where you go past the shopping centre and you see that your favourite store, maybe it's Supre if you're like my daughters, right? Do you have that store over here, Supre? No? What's a store that you girls like? What I don't know. What, what do you have here? Girls, what, sh what shop do you like? Safeway, what? No. <laughs> All right, let me put into context the men can understand. Fellas, you remember the first time you rocked into the Hog's Breath Cafe and you had that slow-cooked beef and they put a bloody crab tail on the end of it and you rang your mates afterwards going, I just had the most awesome slow-cooked steak because you want all your mates to know. You ever done that? Yeah. I was a bit like that with Jesus. I'm sitting there going, how good is this Jesus fella? This is awesome. People don't even know. Because I grew up in this church, that we, you know, a bit more re religious than relational. I wanted to go in and use my music to tell high school kids all over Australia about how good Jesus is, right? So I rang this mob up called the Christian Education in Schools Council back in Melbourne. They do school chaplaincy. I said, do you know about this Jesus fella? They're like, yeah, we're aware. <laughs> I said, we've got to tell people about this Jesus fella because he's awesome. And they're, yeah, that's good. I said, how about I go in? I've just made an album. I'll go into schools. I'll play some rock music and I'll tell kids about Jesus. And they go, yeah, that's good, but it's not politically correct and we might lose our funding. I was so frustrated. I was praying. This is a long time ago now, 15, 16 years ago. I go, God, these people don't get it. They're wasting our time. I'm so frustrated with them, God. Do you want me to burn their building down? And I remember God said to me, no, mate, don't do that. You're no good to me in jail. And I said, God, I won't get caught. He said, no, nah, mate. He goes, what are you passionate about? I said, I'm passionate about you. He said, what else are you passionate about? I said, I'm passionate about my family. I just got married. He said, what else are you passionate about? I said, I'm passionate about my people. I'm sick and tired of Aboriginal people going to prison at extraordinary rates. I'm sick and tired of going to funerals. Do you know that Aboriginal men die 10 years younger than every other demographic in this country? Did you know that? On average, my life expectancy is 10 years less yours. I go into prisons around this country and 70% of the kids I encounter are Indigenous and we make up 3% of the population. I'm sick and tired of reading the newspaper that 70% of all Australian adults have finished year 12 and 5% of Indigenous adults have finished Year 12. Because what that means is we don't have little Aboriginal kids growing up with role models who have succeeded outside of sport. Does that make sense? I said, I'm passionate about my people. And God says to me, Scott, tell me something, son. What's more, what's more politically correct than reconciliation? I said, yeah, that's a good point. So I started ringing up high school saying, hey, listen, I'd like to come and play music and talk about Aboriginal culture and reconciliation. And they said, yes, we'd like you to do that. They said, we'll even pay you to do it. I said, you have my attention. So how's this, right? 10 years later, 15 years later, I get paid to go into 100 high schools, 100 plus high schools all over the world, not even just Australia. I just got back from speaking in some real flash fancy, I'm talking $80,000 a year boarding schools in the United Kingdom about the history of our country, Indigenous Australia, racial reconciliation, because what we're finding is this theme is constant all over the world. We think we're all different because the media want to separate us, but we're not. We're all the same. We're all brothers and sisters living on this beautiful planet. And so what I do now is I go into these schools and I tell them about all these historical things that have created the situation that we live in that sees such disparity amongst the world. And then I say to them, would you fix this planet if you could fix it? And they always say yes because everyone wants to help. You know, generally people are good. And I go, this is how you're going to fix it. I want you to commit to me. And I'm going to ask you guys to do this today. I'm going to ask you, 
if you, if you would like to see your community get better, would you like to see your Albany community become a more peaceful, loving, a better, a better place? Would you like to see your community get better? Just generally speaking? All right. All you've got to do is remember one word, which I'm going to leave with you today before I sing a few songs in a blatant attempt to get you to buy my CD afterwards. Um, I'm going to leave you one word and I'm going to make you two promises. I'm going to leave you this one word and if you promise me that you use this word every day, I promise you that your life will be better. I promise you'll be happier, less stressed, less anxious and you'll have more joy in your life. That's a big promise to make, isn't it? Yeah? Anyone want to be happier? Anyone want to be less stressed? Anyone want to be less anxious? Look at this side of the room here, they don't even care. They're like, no man, I'm sweet. I'm, I'm in heaven on earth right now already. Wow, I, I want to live where you guys live. Um, Anyone want to be less anxious? Yeah. All right, and here's the second promise. I promise that if you use this one word every day, you will actually be a history maker and you will change your community and you'll see your church start to really bust at the seams. So here's the word. If you've got a pen or you've got a phone or a device, I'd love for you to write this down so you remember it. No pressure, but I am watching every single person as they reach. Look at these beautiful, these beautiful senior citizens over here and this fella here. Good for you, brother. You heard it on the radio, did you? Oh, on ABC yesterday? Yeah, I was on ABC yesterday. Yeah, right. Did you think that when I was bagging politicians? She, she looked at me, I got into this, I did an interview on a couple of radio stations in town because I've got a single at the moment on the radio that's doing really well and um, I've sort of been re-interviewing and anyway, she asked me about helping farmers and I said, we've got to stop expecting politicians to do it because they're hopeless and they'll never do it. And anyway, and she looked at me, she goes, this is the ABC. <laughs> I said, sorry. <laughs> and I moved on. Um, all right, here we go. You're going to write down in capital letters the word flute, F-L-U-T-E, flute. Flute, can you all say that with me? Flute. Get excited, flute. Get excited, flute. Flute is an acronym, stands for five words. F stands for forgiveness. Forgiveness. Have you ever noticed that Jesus talks about a lot of things in the Bible, but when he gets really excited and passionate about one particular thing, he will circle back around to really drill down on it? Have you noticed how he does that? You ever notice that? Let's, let's look at forgiveness. Here we go. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as... As... We forgive those who sin against us. Hey, just so you know, that's not, a that's not a request. That's a requirement. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, have you noticed there's a lot of stuff? Is it, is it a fair statement to say that there's a lot in that Lord's Prayer? Fair statement? Yeah. yeah, a lot of content, yeah? Can anybody tell me? I'll give you a free... I've got, a, I've got CDs and boomerangs that I sell. The boomerangs will come back if you throw them. I will give you a free piece of my merchandise if you can answer this question directly after the Lord's Prayer, what does Jesus then dial down on and say? Anyone tell me the next sentence he says after he finishes that prayer? And Ross, you're not including this. You already know the answer to this. No. No. Tell me what he said. You've got to quote him. And don't you dare Google it because Jesus sees that. What he says, and you know what? He could have talked about a number of different things out of that section of his, of his prayer because there's a lot in it, but he dials down onto one bit. He says, how do you expect your father in heaven to forgive you if you can't forgive your brother here on earth? Now, Jesus is not saying that because he's an ogre who wants to punish you. You know why God wants you to forgive people? 
You ever met an old person who's miserable and bitter and nasty? You know those horrible old people? I ask this... No, no I'm not saying you fellas here. <laughs> that bloke scares me. Um, I've got to tell you, I ask this question to 100,000 teenagers a year in high schools every single day, and there's always one kid in the audience who goes, yeah, it's my grandma. Do you, know, do you know those miserable, bitter old people? You know the talk, do you know the ones I'm talking about, the bitter nasty? I tell you, you know, you know why they turn out bitter and twisted and horrible? Because they don't forgive. You ask them every single thing anyone's ever done to them, they store it up, they carry it around, they remember it, and they will tell you about it. Forgiveness is like cancer. If you don't forgive someone, what you do is you take a little bit of cancer, you put it in here, and then you don't forgive someone else, and you put a bit more in there and a bit more and a bit more. All of a sudden, cancer being what it is, it grows, and you turn around and you're that miserable, bitter, old, nasty I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that guy. I want to be happy, man. Now, I'll be honest, my dad died of alcoholism. My high school years, my last year of high school, was not spent going home to play Fortnite on the Xbox. <laughs> Me and my brother Tim would walk in and out of every pub in Coburg, trying to find him, praying to God that he hadn't spent that night's money on the pokies, on the slot machines. Getting into punch-ons with his mates who didn't want him to leave. Like, I've had a lot of forgiving to do, and I can honestly tell you I've done it, and it's the best, it hasn't been easy. Best thing I've ever done. I walk around with a smile on my face 98% of the time. People look at me and go, mate, what's wrong with that bloke? Mate, I'm just happy. I want to promise you, if you're sitting there today and you're sitting there going, geez, I wish I was a bit happier, start forgiving and be fair income. Don't kid yourself about it. Be really honest. Is there anybody that even when you think of them, you get a little bit of a niggle here? Lay it down. Pray about it. Give it to the Lord. Forgive them. And I'll bet you in a week's time you've got a bigger smile on your dial. L stands for love. Now, there's so many different kinds of love we could speak about, but I'm just going to give you one example. Anybody here ever practiced a random act of kindness? Done something nice for somebody who didn't... Anyone done one for somebody who didn't even deserve it? Yeah? Anyone? Yep. Even though they didn't deserve it, after you did it, you felt real good, didn't you? I saw this show the other day on Channel 7, Sunrise, and they, they interviewed this, this trader. He was about oh, early 20s. And what had happened, he'd been at Macca's. Did you see this story? Young fella, he's at McDonald's, and, and the old fella in front of him was a senior citizen, and he was trying to pay for his Big Mac meal, but he was getting his coins out, and he didn't quite have enough. And so the trade, he just stepped in, he says, brother, I've got you covered, and he paid for the old fella's food. And the old fella turns around embarrassed, he says, oh, mate, and someone videoed it, he goes, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm down on my last few coins. And the trade, then gave him a $20 note. And somebody filmed it and sent it to Channel 7. And they interviewed the, the tradie on Channel 7. They interviewed him right on Sunrise. And they said, why, why would you? And they were like bewildered. Why would you give that guy your money that you worked hard for? You don't even know him. No responsibility. Why, why would you do And his girlfriend's in the, back, in the background. The girlfriend's there. He does it all the time. <laughs> and the young fella, you know what he said? He just looked at the camera and he goes, because it makes me happy. If you want to be happy, you want to be a little bit happier, you all put your hands up. Scotty, I wish I was a bit more joyful. Every day, do something nice to somebody who doesn't deserve it. Go and do a random act of kindness. I challenge you to do it and see if you're happier in a week's time. L is for love. U is for understanding. How many, how many times do people act a certain way and you just look at them and their, their actions and you jump to a judgment? You ever jump to a judgment? Can't stand that fool. <laughs> Can't believe he's in my Bible study group. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Um, would he please get a haircut? No. Um, do you ever stop and wonder what the reasons are? I'll give you a great example. How many of you guys saw three years ago the West Coast Eagles supporters started it, but then everybody else did it? All were booing Adam Goods. You see Goodsy was getting booed when he played footy? Do you all see that? Adam Goods getting booed? Do you know why that started? That booing started because Adam Goods was playing football at the MCG versus the Filth. So, sorry, Collingwood. And, um, <laughs> and he was playing versus Collingwood, and this 13-year-old girl called him an ape, and he heard her. Do you remember that? And he stopped the game and they kicked her out. 
And all these fellas started going, you know what, he's a sook. It's just a word, get over it, you big sook. Boo. Now, when I heard people calling Adam a sook, it made me wild. I've known Adam for over 20 years. He's one of the best blokes you'd ever meet. After a while, though, I realised it's not a bad thing if you want to call Adam Goods a sook because it allows us to have a conversation. It allows us to get into it where I can get some understanding into that situation. So now I'll turn around and I'll do this in a session with 200 year 10 boys. I'll go, how many of you reckon he's... I'll put the hands up. I'll go, OK, let's talk about that. Did you know that in 1770, when the English first came here to this country, they believed that if your skin was black, you're an animal? That's why they murdered over 200,000 Aboriginal people. They went out and just slaughtered people. That's why they declared this country to be terra nullius, uninhabited, because there was no humans living here. That's why when they wrote the Constitution, they actually said that Aboriginal people were legally classified as flora and fauna. Because of that belief, it was connected to the belief that when they saw our women having their babies, that we weren't fit to raise them because we were animals. So they had a policy where they took those kids away, stolen generation. Because of that joined up compounded history, Adam Goods' earliest memory, his mum's earliest memory, I should say, is being taken. See, Goodsy's mum was dark, but his grandma was real dark. You're not fit to raise her, we're going to take her away. She was taken from home to home, place to place. She was abused in all kinds of ways that hopefully none of you ever know about. In her teenage years, she ran away to try to find her mum, but by the time she found her mum, her mum had died. So she never gets to say goodbye, tell her she loves. Hey, mum, guess what? Your grandson won two Brownlow medals and captain the premiership. No, she doesn't get that. When you throw your face over the fence at the MCG and call Adam Goods an ape, what you're doing is you're saying all that pain, all that suffering, all that damage, all that trauma, nothing's changed. You're still filth. You're still an animal. You're still flora and fauna, just like the Constitution said in 1966. You don't count. We don't care. Get stuffed. And to Aboriginal people, that's why it's a big deal. Does that make sense? You with me? And then I'll turn around to that same bunch of year 10 boys and go, how many of you think he's a, he's a sook now? And not one hand goes up. Isn't that amazing what a bit of understanding will do? Next time you've, you feel frustrated with a person, you feel angry, you want to jump to a judgment, I'll, I'll challenge you, step back for a minute, take a breath, and ask yourself, what's their story? What have they gone through? What's their history? And I bet it makes loving them, forgiving them a whole lot easier. T is for tolerance. Tolerance is the ability to put up with people or things that upset or annoy you. Tolerance is really, you know what it is? It's actually just the ability to go, I know you're wrong and I know that I'm right, but I'm actually such a settled person, I don't need to prove it. Have you, ever noticed, have you ever noticed how much people love to be right? Dead set, I reckon some people sooner be right than have friends. When you tolerate a person, what you're actually choosing to do is go, I will forgive you immediately. I won't let things build up to that level of aggression where I've got to get my didgeridoo and smash you and run real fast. You cut a problem off at the root source. I often tell a story that happened here in Albany, actually, to do with this. There's a guy who plays football for North Melbourne. He used to play at Collingwood. He's called Marley Williams. He comes from Albany. You might remember this story. A few years ago, Marley was at the pub here on his summer holidays. A couple of bogans went into the toilets and bashed him just to be heroes. Poor old Marley Williams, he gets bashed just for being a Collingwood player. He's cut and he's bleeding and he's bruised and he gets out of that toilet and he has a response that we've all had. Be honest, anyone ever felt this way? You're wrong, I'm right, I'm not going to back down and you are going to pay. Anyone ever felt that way? <laughs> Look at all the people that are sitting there going, no, I'm Jesus, I've never. <laughs> Let me ask you again, have you ever felt that way? Marley Williams felt that way. He waited on the street outside that pub here in Albany. And what the boys who jumped him didn't know is that Marley knows how to box. They come outside, he flogged them. He didn't just flog them, he flogged them. Broke one of their jaw in three spots. CCTV camera filmed the whole thing. He got charged by the police. He's about to do two years prison. In the end, Eddie Maguire, Collingwood president, came up with the money for him to have a Queen's counsel. That's a $10,000 a day lawyer. You or me, we're going to jail. <laughs> Here's this kid, he's 21 at the time, he's, he's, he's spent his whole life working for one goal, to play AFL footy. Do you know how hard that is to get drafted? 
His mates went to parties, he didn't, he got an early night. His mates went to school his week on Rotto, he didn't do that, he ran up and down sand dunes. But it paid off because he got drafted by the biggest team in the country and he's making $300,000 a year. And all of a sudden somebody does something where he goes, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm not going to back down and you are going to pay. And he nearly throws away everything he spent his entire life working for in three minutes. I don't know about you, but I reckon that is ridiculous. I wonder how many marriages in our country could be saved by people who had a bit more tolerance, had the ability to go, I know you're wrong and I know that I'm right, but I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to forgive you immediately and we'll talk about it when we're both rational. I'm going to forgive you. Tolerance is powerful. E, my favourite one. Here's the last one. You've got to write this down. E. E stands for empathy. How would I feel if it was me? How would I feel if it was me? Have you ever met somebody who gets around on a daily basis going, I will treat you a certain way, but if you dare to treat me that way, I will lose my mind. Anyone met someone who gets around like that? It drives you wild, doesn't it? It's not right. Hey, church, I've got to ask you this question before I sing you a couple of songs. If every person in your congregation made a conscious decision to show 10% more flute to every person you meet on a daily basis, would your congregation in your church be better or worse? No, honestly, would it be better or worse? I don't for a minute, and I don't say this disrespectfully, but I don't for a minute believe that you are all showing as much forgiveness, love, understanding, tolerance and empathy as you possibly could because you're human, because we're all broken and we're human. But I believe it's a bit like, have you ever noticed that when you're not aware of something, you might be completely ignorant, you never notice it, but then when you get educated, you start to see it everywhere? Have you noticed that? Like when your wife goes to you, I love those BMW X5s. You go, I don't know what that is because you drive a Kingswood that you bought on eBay for 300 bucks. <laughs> but then she explains it's a $90,000 SUV. You know what car I see at every single set of traffic lights now? <laughs> see, there's this bit in the Bible where Jesus is hanging out with his 12 best mates. Actually, no, there's 11 because one wasn't that good. But anyway, he's hanging out with his 11 best mates plus Judas. And the Pharisees, you all know what a Pharisee was? Yeah, yeah like a combination of like a dodgy TV evangelist meets with a crooked politician. So Jimmy Swaggett and Brian Burke. All right. Too soon? And they're trying to get Jesus killed and they ask him what they think is a trick question. And they say, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment in the whole Bible? Because whatever he responds with, we'll, we'll kill him. You, do you remember that bit of the Bible? Matthew chapter 22. Do you remember that bit? And Jesus responds. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And the second is like it. What I'm about to tell you is as important as loving God. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. And then Jesus, you know how he circles back around to the things that are most important and says them again, like what he did with the Lord's Prayer of Forgiveness? He then says, all the other words of all the other prophets and all the other commandments hang on this. Guys, you want to help Aboriginal people today? You want, you want to help our people live longer and go to jail less? Show 10% more flute. You'll be amazed at the opportunities God gives you to make an impact in this community by showing 10% more flute. Now you're educated and it's on the tip of your tongue. It'll happen. 10% more flute. You'll change things for Aboriginal people. You will change things for your community. Your church will grow. I guarantee it. Because you, what you'll be doing is you'll be every single day living out the most important commandment that Jesus has given us. Now, I'm fortunate because I get to give this message in over 100 high schools. I give it every single year to the year nines at Ash. It's a message of Jesus wrapped up in a politically correct blanket. It's unbelievable that I get to do this. I can't even believe it. It's ridiculous. Play a couple of rock songs and they think it's all good. So I'm going to play a couple of rock songs now. This is what I do for a living. Um, now, on my album, there's ten songs I wrote. Nine of them. Oh, ten, nine, ten songs, nine of them I wrote. One I didn't write. The one I didn't write is probably a song you've heard before. And I, I actually was fortunate enough to record a version of this on my record with the man who wrote the song. His name's Shane Howard. 
and uh, we released this and it had a lot of success on radio around Australia a couple of years ago. It's called Solid Rock. Changes, not in a hurry anyway. Feel the endlessness coming up the light of day. We're talking about a chosen place. Wanna sell it in the marketplace? Well, just a minute now.
Thank you. I, um, I was going to sing another song off my record, because I've got CDs for sale and boomerangs for sale, like I said, but I'm actually not going to do that. I'm just going to finish with one more song, if that's all right. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. And, and this is a really old song. It's not one that I wrote either. Um, I can honestly say that the last 10 years have been an amazing journey and I've learned a lot of stuff and it's not, it's just the beginning, you know, it's like we're still, we're still rolling into this thing and the number one thing I've learned is that I just got to trust God that whatever happens, sometimes it's the weirdest things that happen and, and they make no sense at the time. But when I just say to God, that's totally cool, you do what you're going to do, open the doors you want to open and close the doors you want to close and I'm really cool with that, that's when the best outcomes in my life come. So I want to finish with a song that's hundreds of years old. It was written by a guy called Horatio Spafford. And he wrote it at a time when his wife and two daughters had just been on a ship that sunk and the daughters drowned. And he got a telegram saying, saved alone. And at a time that he must have been going through unbelievable grief, he had the, the, just the, the faith to write this incredible song where he sings, whatever my lot thou has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. And I love this hymn because it just talks about, I think, whether you're Scott Darlow going around touring or you're Steve Fisher who's making an impact into kids' lives in schools here in Albany or whatever you're at, if you can have that attitude and take that mentality of fluke into every situation you go into and trust that God has got the best in store for you, that's heaven on earth right there. So if you, if you want to sing along, that's cool. You can do that. This is a beautiful song.
For this church and this beautiful community and thank you for the amazing people here and lord i pray that you would be in this place show us all who we need to fo- show more forgiveness love understanding tolerance and empathy too and i pray lord that we can give t- people in this community a taste of the love that you have for them by the way we choose to encounter them and see your holy spirit sweep through and take this city on fire for you jesus amen Love, understanding, tolerance, empathy. Do I get it right? Excellent. Thank you, Scott. Um, that was that was that was precious. It was. Um, can I have you? Or would you stand with me? Um, <clears throat> I remember, I remember um, sitting on my, my veranda, my, my grandfather's veranda, um, with my older brother and my older sister. Stephen wasn't born yet, but I can remember sitting on the veranda um, next to my grandfather, sitting on his old chair and um, telling us stories about the war. Mm. Just a little boy. And I can remember looking at him and I can remember seeing this man and the thing that, is, that has been impressed upon my mind um, has never left me is that he had huge hands, these massive hands. And I, I looked at those hands, and those hands to me were um, just so strong. They, 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 they said to me that this was a strong, strong man, you know. Um, but in, in reality, now that I'm older, I, I know he wasn't strong, you know, and he was an old man. 
I know that his health was failing and, um, and he wouldn't be long with us, you know. But my abiding memory of this, of this man um, was that, sitting there, listening to him tell me these stories of what life was like for him as a young man and what he endured. And uh, there's, 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 um, there's mythology in our family about his escapades and the things that he got up to and, uh, in uh, France. And, and I, I don't know how much of it's true, you know, but I, I love it, you know. He came home from war. He came home uh, uh, wounded. He came home as, uh, as a hero. And he's a hero in my heart. And, um, and not only here, but today, certainly um, this day, we want to pause and we want to remember the heroes that have gone before us. And we are asked by, our, um, by our, our society, indeed by the free world, we are asked to stop and remember, aren't we? We're asked to stop and remember those who died and suffered in the great tragedy of war. It is 100 years today. It's 100 years since uh, silence fell on the Western Front. I've got this wonderful little poem. I, I really wish I'd brought it in. It's, um, it's on my office wall at work, you know, and it, and it describes... Um, French villages and it describes the sound that they heard and uh, on this day a hundred years ago they went outside and they heard this strange this can't remember this strange wailing noise flowing across the the um, the hillside they didn't know what it was at first, but then it, as, as it came across the, hill, the countryside and it made it from, this sound made it from village to village, they discovered that it was the cry of, the cry of celebration. The, the, the cheers that were going up as it was sweeping across Europe, the war was over. The, it was over, you know. And um, we stopped today to pay homage. We, we remember with pride their courage, their compassion, their comradeship. And, and we want to be proven worthy of the sacrifice, don't we? Yeah. We, we really do, you know. Um, but I ask the question, um, what is this act of remembrance really all about? Why is it so special? It's not because we stop today to measure the depth of blood that flowed. We can't do that, can we? Because that's, that's just too painful. No, no, we remember because that incredible sacrifice brought to us peace. A peace that we cherish. A peace that we love, of course. You see, I could never be so arrogant as to stand before you to say to you that I know the cost of war. I don't think any of us can. Why? Because we know who they were. We know who they were, those that gave their lives, but we don't know what they would have become, do we? And from that sense, we can never truly know the ultimate price that is paid for our freedom. That alone is known to God. What they would have become, what they would have done, what they would have accomplished in this society, we don't know. So yes, we remember them, but we don't want that memory to simply rest 
and just be about the blood-soaked battlefields of this world. No, we want it, that memory, to continue in our hearts, in our lives, in our children, in this to, to not only testify, but to revel in this glorious light of freedom and peace that has been won for us. And we want to be able to continue on in the same motivating force that brought that about. You know, not the act of aggression, no, 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 but the force that was within the people that, 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 that drove them to that place, you know. What took those people to those far-flung battlefields of this world? Not only the First World War, the Second World War, and on and on and on until to this very day. What is it that take people to those places? There's only one force. There's only one force that will not succumb, that will not capitulate, that is not willing to sit by and allow innocence to be violated. What is that force? Well, we've heard about it this morning already. Of course, it's love, isn't it? Of course it is. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Greater love no man has than to lay down his life for his friends. I had a message this morning I wanted to share with you. It could have been titled, Forgiveness, Love, Understanding, Tolerance, Empathy. It's been preached. So let's, I've got you standing. Let's take a moment um, to be still and to acknowledge and to remind ourselves that indeed we are truly the recipients of a great gift. Um, so we're going to start, I'm going to, and I, 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 I certainly don't, I don't, I don't feel honestly worthy to be able to, to say, but I'm going to say the ode. Um, we're going to have a minute silence. We're going to hear the, sorry, we're going to have the last post, a minute silence. And then the rouse. And then I'm going to ask Daniel to come forward. He's going to share a poem with us and bring our service to an end before the worship team leads us in one last song. So let's still our hearts and um, let's remember that uh, the greatest love was shed 2,000 years ago when the Son of God was lifted up on Calvary's Mount when the wisdom and the understanding, the knowledge of the Father sent His Son, His only begotten Son, to this world, that whoever should believe on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Bow your heads with me. Be still. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn at the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them.
Daniel. Forgiveness, love, understanding, tolerance and empathy. Um, Scott was saying this morning that this gentleman who made a difference in his life, you ought to listen to your spirit. Um, so true. I saw something on Facebook this morning by my sister, steps, yeah, sister in, yeah, sister, my wife's sister, sorry. And that's the first I realised that today was a significant day. Uh, I just thought maybe the Lord was saying I should write something. So I said to my dear wife, can you drive the car to church? I'm going to write a poem. I need to write something. Um, but before I share it with you, I just want to add to Scott's call to show love and empathy and understanding to everyone. But the Indigenous community, a little story, I've told it before. When I was teaching at a remote Indigenous community in the Kimberley, I was at the community shop. It's the centre of hub of life. A dear old lady, she would have had to have been in her 80s. I'd never seen it before. She was just travelling through the community, an Indigenous lady. And she came to me absolutely grief-stricken. And looked me in the eye and said, have you seen little... And I don't know the name of the, the child. I said, no, sorry, I, I haven't. And then she said, because they took her and I haven't been able to find her. And that would have been... <laughs> 60 years since they took a child and she was still going up to strangers. Have you seen my little girl? So, you know, people that say just move on and forget, maybe they don't know what it is to feel pain. Um, so this one is uh, Lest We Forget. So, a tough and hardy breed, sure of foot, at home on steed, others too young to need a razor yet. Steeled muscles, steeled muscles, tempered, subduing virgin land. A young nation grafted into an ancient land. Willingly into hell they went, fires of adversity many already knew too well. Crack shots, a rabbit is but a small target after all. Hardship, deprivation, embraced, then endured. Mates together, reinforcing the whole. Blood's sacrifice, crimson mud, a fairer, deeper, richer jewel is yet to crown the earth. Their dreams traded for a nightmare that we might live to pursue our own in this fair land, Australia. May misconceptions, hatred, racism die, forge a new brotherhood and understanding with the descendants of those who at the declaration of Terra Nullius already covered and knew this land better than we ever will. Earthly peace I see is a fragile thing, bought by the broken. It will not last. 
broken one whose crimson blood stained Golgotha's hill, whose sacrifice brought lasting peace for me. I remember them in deep humility, no greater love than death's sacrifice for me. Morning, yes. Seeing Christ is risen. Amazing grace, a sweet the sound, to see the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah! Christ is risen from the grave. came back to life and everything had changed
Scott, help him out. Get him back to third, might need the fuel. <laughs> but thank you guys. 